0: Welcome to Provincial State of Mind. with myself phone, Harrison, Jeff Neville and Tom Savage. This is a podcast on Irish rugby in general with a specific focus on all four Irish provincial sides in both the URC and European competitions. We discuss what happened the previous weekend, what we can expect from each province in their upcoming games, as well as any major off-field news. Tom, what have you been up to this week?
1: You know what? I'm glad we didn't start recording a few seconds before we did, because it'd be <laughs> very hard to explain. Very hard to explain. Our but, our, our movie podcast is it the, move, the the movie podcast yeah <laughs> very very unusual but yeah no I had a, I had a good week very quiet I went to the gym I tanked up impressed everybody there they were just like how is this guy forty years of age that much of a bull that much of a freak that much of an animal um and I just had to explain it's just the way I am lads. and then, and then they looked at you get on my <laughs> get on my level. That guy's huge, Tom. (laughs) Get on my level. And you know what? I had a Gold's gym t-shirt. So I figured, you know what? I've got to live up to the (laughs) t-shirts.
2: But you know what? Did you have a singlet that like under the arms is cut out down like below your rib cage? I have a singlet, but I didn't didn't wear
1: it. I didn't wear it for this one. And then I went into the swimming pool where I was like splashing around like a toddler because I can't swim an inch. I could drown for you. I can certainly sink to the bottom of the pool for you, but I can't be, I can't be swimming. I just cannot get it. I just don't get it. How do people swim? Uh, She's there like, oh, well just, just, just lift your, just, just let your legs relax. It's like, but if I do that, my head will go under the water and I'll drown. I can't work it out. If like, if, if we ever did a live PSOM on uh, a boat and for some reason, it capsized, like I would die on that podcast. Like, I would just sink straight to the bottom. <laughs> that
2: would I be it. I think you're lucky. I think you're lucky enough for the moment somehow.
1: That we're not doing one on a boat.
2: Yeah. I think we we'll reserve the locations for the back of your car, on top of your house, behind your unbelievable new curtains, and then we, we might get to the boat.
1: We might get to the boat. What if I was in the prestige for a bit to a lake? <laughs> it could fucking happen. It's since I've started to learn the beginnings of swimming, I've become way more afraid of water. (laughs) Because it's just like, I know nothing about this stuff. Completely counterintuitive. Move your hands forward. Like what? No idea.
0: I'm surprised that a man like yourself, you can get the technique to lift such big weights, but you can't get the technique. Well, you he's
2: too heavy. (laughs) He brings all the weights from the gym into the pool. I think that's his (laughs) issue. Um, so, yeah, officially I've, heavier than ships. I'm a natural bull, you see. I'm
1: just a bull. I'm a freak, but that doesn't translate over to the water.
2: Bulls they're, can swim. can not they? Uh,
1: bulls are useless in the water if they're anything like me, what? and they are like no, me because no. I'm bulls. A
2: bull. Bulls can definitely swim. And think yeah. I'm so aerodynamic.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You'd imagine I'd be hydrodynamic as well, but it just it just doesn't work.
2: I just sink to the bottom.
0: What have you been up to then, Jeff?
2: Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Um, back to work this week. Um, I know there's people saying I had long enough off, and they are correct, but it's always still nice to have longer off. But in better news this week, I didn't have a wedding, although today I got home, and there in the letterbox is just an envelope with fancy gold writing on it. And I was like, don't. And I took it out, and it's like, oh, you know, Jeff Neville, blah, blah, blah. I was like, don't. Opened it up. Lo and behold, wedding invite. I was in. you're kidding me. So you're invited to Doris and Doris's wedding. <laughs> I'm going to a wedding again now in October and another one in November. So if anyone feels like getting married in December and truly ruining my life, feel like just throw me an invite. No, so even if I don't in, know you, even if like, even just if send
1: in random you. wedding invites to like the, yeah. the, the, the Gmail address and just invite you. In, I don't want in, to go to your wedding.
2: But Jeff does Uh, I also don't want to go But I will go And make it known That I don't want to be there How's that? Can't (laughs) say fairer than that Here's Um, an idea
0: We could send Jeff out For appearance money To random people's weddings And he could actually Earn money going to weddings I'll
2: do it I'll do it All you have to do is Pay the fee Pay the travel cost Pay the accommodation cost And I'm there It's a steal really When you think about it Um, Jack got an invite To another wedding today Just when I thought it was over and I got a little PTSD after that, but no, aside from that good went down to that Connacht game last weekend, I'm sure, or last week, I'm sure we'll talk about that now in a while had a hideous experience in, uh, one of the, one of the petrol stop places. What would you call them? Motorway stops or
1: it wasn't my right beloved junction so whatever, 14, service was it? station.
2: No, no, no. Sure. I was going to, I was going to Athlone. Oh, that's uh, that's off Limerick. That's a lovely little junction, but, uh, I stopped in I hadn't had dinner or anything like that so I stopped in and I was like oh I'll get something here and there was a restaurant there so uh, a restaurant like it's amusing I'm giving a credit here now and uh I went over and I was like oh can I have that bit of chicken There was a love like a lovely little bit of chicken left and he goes yeah and I goes do you have any anything I can put that with like potatoes or anything she was like just rice so just just rice just plain rice she goes well yeah I goes is there anything else I can have and she goes well we have sausages I said, so you want me to have dry rice and sausages? That's what you want. And she was like, uh, that's all we have. And I was like, this is like five o'clock in the day now on a service station on, on the motorway. This is like prime travel time. Do you know that kind of way? Like, Yeah, like hungry fuckers on the way out from work. This is this, like, this is what caught me. Like, it's not like it was a deli in a shop that's been open all day. This was like, like you sh- this is your prime time here, like. So then I said, listen, I'm grand. There was kind of a salad bar beside it. And I was like, can I just get the salad to go with the chicken? And then and she goes, "Um, oh, the salad's closed. I said, why is the salad closed? Like, is it just as, like, why is it closed? And she goes, oh, no, no, we're, we're tidying up now. We're done. And I was like, the salad is ready. Like, it, there's no like, it's all chopped. It's all ready. All you have to do is just move it into a different location. She was like, no, sorry. Fine, says so I. So there was another kind of salad place beside it. And I go, sorry, you open. No, we're closed too. Right, Okay. So I looked across there was Burger King and with all this that had just happened in front of me the sausage and rice and all that jazz a busload of people had come in and had gone to the Burger King while I was trying to argue like that the pre-cut salad that I could just eat is not for sale. So I looked across and there was like 40 people in the queue for the Burger King and I was like you know what fuck this like for one sorry I didn't mean to curse there but I was genuinely like I am so annoyed by this whole situation. I just like I just went up to Costa and I was like, "Just can I have a coffee, please, and let me go back on the road." This has been a bust from start to finish, like, and I did nothing but moan for about forty five minutes <laughs> <laughs> in the car about how absolutely terrible of a business model that service station was. And I'm still not over it, to be honest. Like, I got home. My wife was like, Did you get dinner? And I was like, Don't talk to me. Don't I'd say you, you, I'd say you had
1: her withered over it.
2: Oh, like, <laughs> I just don't get it. Like, it's a service station in the middle of nowhere on a motorway at five o'clock, leaving one, like, leaving the capital city to go to another big city. Like, surely this is prime time to be selling food to people. Like,
1: I don't know. Look, so you're out there eating, like, it's, it's a fucking Twix and a can of Fanta, and that's what I'll fucking do.
2: Yeah, that's kind of the mood I was in then afterwards. So listen, if anybody listening to this looking for a good business model, a shop that not only has hot food, but is willing to sell hot food to you at the same time. Don't just stock it and say, you know, I have food, but you can't have it because it's five o'clock in the day. Sell it to people. Give it to the public. Sell
1: the salad after five o'clock.
2: I just the boss really, will kill me Like it was all ch- <laughs> Do you know like, if, if she said like That she had to make it I'd be like You know what Fine don't worry You've it all cleaned up But like it's it's there All I'm asking you to do Is just This Like people can't see What I'm doing But like just this and Have but, you anyway, noticed, by the way I'm, I'm, I'm over, over it though I'm over it
1: <laughs> <laughs> But I'm fine about it
2: But I'm fine I'm though.
1: fine I'm fine If you go But if you notice Over the summer though Like with you know co- College students Kind of working in shops Over the summer That hot counters Have just become chaotic where like you could go up there and get a breakfast roll, for example, just on a, like my, my usual breakfast roll is sausages, butter in the in the large white breakfast roll. They were thereabouts, right now. I don't expect them to come in and they're going to go the usual. But I go in there I'm just like, can I get a, a roll there, please? With sausages in it and butter. And like depending on who's there, that could cost five euro fifty <laughs> or three euro twenty. I could get two sausages in it. There could be fucking five crammed in there. It's chaotic, but it's thrilling.
2: What gets me is, you know, like they'll be chatting away, and then they turn to you and they go, "Oh, sorry for the delay." I'm like, "There was no delay. You just decided to finish your conversation about (laughs) your dog before actually." But that's okay too. Like that's fine. Don't. That's okay. I I, enjoyed. I enjoyed listening to it. It was
1: actually quite fun listening about your dog. Anyway, but over It'll the last days
2: I had some nice dinners So like I'm over it It's fine
1: It's fine, it's fine. It's fine. I, I
2: love,
0: love Victor Meldrew, Jeff He's the best <laughs> Jeff we have
2: <laughs> you're, you're in for a treat tonight
0: <laughs> No, my weekend Oh, my week I think the highlight was the weekend I went to the local agricultural show Which has everything from a beer tent To um, you can buy jellies Or you could buy half a million pound Tractors within it, and it had everything there. And the highlight, I think, was um, like uh, the dog shop for my daughter, who was uh, going around parading the dog around and having fun. Other than that, it was uh, the weird thing was obviously then seeing all the cows being blow dried. Um, Excuse
2: me, go again. What?
0: <laughs> <laughs> all the all the cattle being blow dried as they're uh, put on show. Have you not? You not seen this
1: yet? What is jacked what? as me? Where would I say oh, this? Yeah.
0: This, as they're getting them ready? <laughs> they're actually they're actually combing fucking... them, brushing them out, blow where, drying them. Where, where oh, I I've washing, blow
2: drying. Do you see, are you a man of the world, Jeff? Oh, clearly not, I don't know, if I haven't seen a cow being blow dry. <laughs> okay. All the lads are there yeah. like, look at that cow there, lads.
1: That cow oh, is fucking spotless. Look how fluffy Look at how yeah. fluffy that fucking cow is. Some fetlocks there had some yeah. fucking cow for you now, lads. Haven't seen one it. like that in a
2: good long time. I didn't know you wash cows. Yeah. Like how often would you wash a cow? Sure, no.
0: Well, you don't before a show anyway.
2: But like are they for okay. sale?
0: Um, or is it just well, like
2: is it just like look how nice our cow is?
0: Well, there are awards that go with it. I presume there's um it can increase the value of certain uh, maybe a bull for stud fees or whatever else that will be there. There you go.
2: You learn something new every day. They I wouldn't not. necessarily
0: be a a a full farmer type thing like that, would
2: you? I don't know. You seem pretty affronted that I've never seen a cow being blow right. So you've clearly seen it more. Oh, than you, once. you,
0: you have, you haven't lived until you've seen that, yeah.
2: I don't. I don't. I am off to Google this. <laughs> I might I might do it on incognito mode though, because I don't think that's <laughs> something you want. <laughs> you're just there like, like typing in. It's wait till like, your
0: wife looks up your search history. Blood-dried
1: so like, cows. Siri, I want you to search for. Fucking clean cows
2: Show me a clean cow The
1: cleanest cows you have, lads
2: No, no, cleaner, cleaner than that Next time I'm talking to a farmer I'm just going to be like Just come here to me, how often do you wash your cows? And he is going to dig head off me at that. He's like, look at the state of that cow in there Do you have any fucking shame? Have you no
1: pride in your work? <laughs> With these dirty cows in here Fucking disgusting Get me out of here Worst farm I've ever been on Okay. <laughs> oh my god. Right. I
0: think okay. we better move on to some rugby at this point. Um for once and, I'm okay. Oh, with rugby. That. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
2: For once I'm like, yeah, cool. <laughs> Let's get off this.
0: Uh, we'll move on oh. then to the uh the women's game. Ireland played Japan in the second test, and after winning the first test 57-22, they slipped to a 29-10 defeat. Um what do you think? Changed in the week, and why did Japan win? Go to you first, Jeff, on that.
2: Um, well, to be honest with you, I think two of the biggest things was possession. First off, and I know that sounds quite simple like if you have the ball, you'll probably win. But the carrying game as well, um, for Ireland was not great. It felt like, like I watched the second half live and I went back and watched the first half then. Um, maybe yesterday or the day before I can't remember but I felt that every three phases or every like three or four phases Ireland would just cough up possession and be it through their own fault like an unforced error be it through carrying too high be it through not securing a breakdown well um, just a bad pass or whatever like it just felt like three four phases was was the max they were getting off the ball now and the second, I hand. thought sorry
0: to cut in. I thought that Japan did a much better job this time at targeting the big ball carriers. They That's... they 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 went in and they see now I know Ireland were missing the likes of Sam Monahan and um Dorothy Wall, etc., in, in that as as that sort of carried a lot of ball in, in the first game. But I thought Japan they they sort of hunted the big ball carriers in the Ireland pack and they went in with the double tackle, one high and one low. And they were waiting for them there and stopped them on the game line and forced Ireland into
2: a lot of the errors. Oh, what if I was to tell you right now that not only do I agree with you, but also I have some homework to back it up. Ooh, I love this home. is good. Yes, so um, there when I was not eating salad there during the week, I uh, had a little look at it and I, like I said, I think the carrying game let them down. The first game Ireland had 116 carries and they made six, three, three meters off it. Right. The second game they only had 85 carries. But if we look at the quality of that carry in then as well, in the first game, if you're looking at percentage of the carries that went over the game line, 53% of Ireland's carries got them over the game line. That went down to 46 in that second game. But if you look at the number of carries that was on or behind the breakdown, 54% of their carries were on or behind the breakdown, with only 13% actually on. So 41% of their carries were behind the breakdown. Now that's all fine in theory, and that's the carrying game. But as we know, if you're not actually getting front football, the rest of your game suffers. In that first game, Ireland made seven line breaks, and that was a result of good carrying. You know, like good, quick ruck ball, um, like just a de- like they still made errors, but it was a decent platform. That second game, Ireland made one line break in the whole thing, and I think that kind of sums it up to like everything they tr- like and everything that kind of was built up or like you get three, four carries in and you're thinking, okay, and maybe, you know, one more carry, two more carries and it's going to be on out here. Suddenly it was a turnover time or an unforced error. And like, it, it, it just happened so often. Like the first game, Ireland gave away nine penalties and the second game they gave away 14. And again, that's a result of being under pressure. Like at one stage early on in the game, Ireland gave away five penalties in a row. So you're kind of like you're not going to win a game with that kind of discipline, and especially given that much of a platform to a team who enjoyed 17% more possession than they did in the first game. Like Japan really did their homework. I felt it left them down. Actually, funnily enough, I think it left them down at the very start of the game. Ireland had a, had a, a lineout inside in Japan's 22, and their hooker actually joined them all rather than just kind of see what happened. Them all wasn't going anywhere. Like, but she was so worried about them all from that first game that she jumps in. And then Hughes just had a little look up, so I was not in there, two or with the winger, and then they went and scored a good try. But that kind of, I suppose that was the highlight of the game for me, really, and that was in the first couple of minutes. So it was, um, it was a disappointing finish, I thought, To Like, I know in the first game they made errors, but they still won. I feel that when contracts come out, they're going to be together a lot more. You're not as drained, maybe as trying to learn everything and trying to change things it's kind of it becomes second nature rather than trying to drill it down and now i wasn't there obviously i don't know what they were doing during the week but i imagine japan did their homework and ireland tried to change a few things but like the more you're together the easier it is to do that so i think that second week if this tour takes place next year let's say for the sake of argument that second week i think would be vastly different hopefully anyway you know that's the aim obviously but I felt it was a dis- uh, disappointing enough second game. Now, to be honest, I thought like to me one of the big things
0: was Japan had a platform to play. Like their their scrum became a weapon for them, even even so much so that like for some of the, um, the crooked throws into the lineout, in, instead of Ireland taking a scrum, they actually went back to the lineout themselves, and they, they changed that option. And I think like Japan. I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I, I'd be surprised if ja- Japan had much more than about fifty percent success in their lineouts.
2: I can um, I can tell you right now if you'd like, or I can yeah. uh, actually if you just want to talk for a second and come back to me because I just I find that little statistic. Like they had nothing
0: in in the first in the first test, they had nothing. Every, nearly it was rare for them to even get usable ball off a lineout. Whereas this time they were getting maybe 40, 50 percent at a best guess on it, but they were actually able to play off it. And the scrum became so good that they were actually able to score two tries using the scrum as a starting platform. And this the scrum was the was the start, but it was actually the running lines that it, that opened up that caused so much confusion in the Irish defense. The Ireland, the Ireland defenders weren't sure who was taking the ball, who was t- who, who was coming at what angle and where it was going. And it it left Japan off. I think they didn't improve that much from game one to game two, but I think it raises an awful lot of questions for the Ireland team as to how they're going to progress in the, as the next phase comes on in terms of the Six Nations and things like that, because they're going to come up against an awful lot bigger and better teams in the forwards. And I don't think there was an awful lot in the Irish backs that showed there. I thought um Dan O'Brien played well, but there was no outside of herself and and um Breen at, at twelve, there wasn't an awful lot of playmaking outside of that. Um I thought the back three didn't have a good game um in the second test. I don't think they'll be very happy with how they played. Um and overall what had worked well for them, um the Irish line out went to pot, I thought, in the second test. Um they were missing Monahan in the first test, and I mentioned—I think I mentioned it last week. I said if, it's, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, because they were literally just walking in as a pod, throwing the ball up, and creating a maul off it. This time, they rarely did that. They had a lot more movement in the lineout. It didn't work um, with the throwing and the timing, and they didn't—they weren't able to utilise the maul because Japan again had pinned it down and just didn't give them any anything off it.
2: The yeah, Ireland, so You're you're bang on there about Japan scrum They won 100% of their own feed And you're bang on about the Japan line-out as well 43% They hit 6 out of 14 And then the Irish line-out then It was 78% But you're like 50% of Ireland's line-outs Were a 5-man Which I found very interesting Because they actually The first line-out they had was full I think they lined up 2-3-2 two, two And scored off the, the break from Hughes-like but then like, like you said there, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But then fifty percent were five were five player lineouts like. So I don't know why they, they kind of went away from that. Because later in the game they went back to them all and it actually worked really well.
0: And like I, I think what Ireland have to figure out now is what, what they're doing going forward. And I haven't I haven't seen anything that says to me a level of consistency from the Six Nations, from this tour to Japan. That says how how are Ireland going to play? What are they looking to do? I think they've they've there are positives to take out of it. I don't I don't mean for this to sound negative. There are positives to take out of it. They have a lot of young players that they're starting off with that they've given game time to. But I don't see a consistent style of play. I don't see a consistent way of playing, um, that I think will stack up against the bigger and better teams. And I I think like even if you look at the handling and the distribution that Japan showed to go around Ireland who are obviously bigger than them there was a way, there was a style there that you could understand what they're trying to do i just don't see that myself with ireland at the moment and if the contracts do come in we've talked about this before i think they're going to be given to a lot of younger players coming through to start off because there's there's sort of i suppose a lot of uh, personal decisions to be made for some of the the older players whether whether they need whether they can go pro or not if that's the case, is this something that Ireland needs just go for the youth and sort of build that it's it's going to be a five year project? I,
2: yeah, well, I, think. I I think as well, like you mentioned the contracts there. I think there were players, well, there were players who just didn't get a chance to show what they can do either. Like there was 13 players who played 80 minutes or less, which okay, yeah, like 80 minutes is still a long time. But I mean there was a player there's players there, like if you look at Taryn Schutzler, she only got 14 minutes if you look at Hooban and Pierce, they got 24 each over two games. So like, I mean, if you're going to offer contracts to players, you I need to have, have to look at people like, and especially on a development tour.
1: Cause like, I, I think when it's a development tour, I think you can look at stuff like the line out and go, well, we added more complexity there to see how that would run, to see how it would look with a bit more complexity. And it obviously needs a ton of work. Uh, the, the most concerning thing for me was, is that without, as much collision, uh, collision dominance, or we'll say set piece dominance as they had in the first test, the pass quality wasn't there. And that's a big concern and a huge work on for Ireland coming into this upcoming six nations, because we won't have collision dominance against, I would say maybe, well, certainly France and England, Fra- uh, Wales and, uh, and, and Italy have, have given trouble for us as well. We have to have that, that, that pass quality. And the error count here was through the roof. Like, it just undermined everything. And, you know, for for Ireland, like we need to be showing down to the levels that we have a system that works. I think badly missed Nicole Cronin. Um, And without that quality and and that, you know, because you don't have to win every collision that you play. You don't even have to win, even have to win most of them. But you can double up with that by, with accuracy, with your passing and handling. Ireland didn't have that and looked poor. Like Japan, I thought, looked really sharp in that regard in the first test as well. And looked, just really sharp and composed here as well, and that'll be a that'll be that'll be a concern for Ireland because they'll be coming up against, I would say, maybe three four sides who would be better than Japan. Now Ireland will say that they've got players coming back in, and it was indeed a development tour. That's true as well, but uh, I think it 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 left a kind of a sour enough taste at the end of the tour, development tour as it was, to go from such a dominant win the week before. You'd expect to back that that up again the week later, for it to kind of go the way that it did. I don't know. It seemed like the game kind of spun out of control on them. And like, it just seemed that there was
2: no, they had nothing consistent to go back to. I, I, I agree. I think what you said there, you expected to back it up. Like you don't necessarily have to win the second game, but perform. And I think the performance wasn't at the level that a lot of people were probably expecting. But I mean,
0: I, I understand what you're saying there, Jeff, in terms of performance, but when you look at the positions and the rankings, is this a game that Ireland should have won and should have won easily?
2: maybe not easily, but I said win like mm. I, I like there last week on this, I was like, Ireland should win next week, like and like that, I know like when it was live, I only caught the second half, but like I turned on the TV, saw the score, and I was like, hang on a second like. I know Ireland were only nineteen fifteen ahead, in the, or yeah, nineteen fifteen ahead in the first game at halftime. But like, I wasn't expecting them to be behind at halftime in the second, especially after that second half of that first game. And that's the
1: concerning part of it. Like you said, they didn't have to win, but the performance was just so alien to the week before. And I, and I look, it was like almost like an inverse where Ireland started badly last week, and they started better like better this week in comparison. But then the rest of the performance just Again, it's just like you, you like to see a team that when they're when you're playing badly, you've got something to go back to. And Ireland just seemed to just have nothing to go back to and flail around a little bit. And that'll be the disappointing thing. But they will take a lot from it. Like they will know a lot more about these players now uh, after a two-week tour like that. And after a kind of a, a, a drastic underperformance, after a good performance, you kind of learn a lot about people then. You learn a lot about yourself as a coach as well. I think it'll be interesting for the coaches as well the way they perceive and look back at their own work on the tour and how that benefits them going forward as well.
0: Okay. Moving on then,
1: I suppose the other
0: Ireland related news is the confirmation of an emerging Ireland tour to South Africa. And there'll be games against the Greekas, the Pumas and the Cheetahs on the 30th of September, the 5th and the 9th of October. It's uh, a group going to be led by Simon Easterby Um, going out, it'll be in South Africa. It's effectively a toy, it's under the banner of a Toyota challenge, which is a effectively a tournament organized for the cheetahs to get them warmed up ahead of the, their European campaign. Um, But it will go against the early rounds of the URC. So the, Belief at the moment is that they are going to take the fringe players that have played against the Maoris during the summer, as well as players from the under 20s in the last few seasons who maybe are not getting a chance to shine in the in their provincial teams due to, uh, I suppose, depth chart issues and, and backlog there. Um, But I suppose the first question is, do you think it's a good idea Tom, go to you
1: on that one first. Um, I get the rationale that 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 the IRFU have for this. It came on them late. This wasn't a plan that they've had for two or three months coming into this. This has kind of happened fairly late on. They came on this idea as 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 you've said there, like because I I've, i I was given out about this <laughs> on social media the other day. So I, I went I said you know what I'll speak to the IRFU. What's the crack with this? What's going on? And they said that it's a way to build the depth that they want coming up to the World Cup and the post-World Cup. So there's going to be a lot of churn coming up after the World Cup in that 2024 Six Nations. They want to get a look at guys in this environment where they're on tour for three weeks. There's nothing but rugby. You've got nothing but to, to focus on the tour, the game, the training, the prep, everything. They liked what they saw from players on tour in New Zealand. They want to duplicate that here. They feel this is an opportunity that has popped up to allow them to do that. That's the RFU rationale. And I get it. They're looking at giving leadership roles to the guys who would have been in the Maori All Blacks. Those two games who we'll say were not in leadership roles on that tour because it was the, the main guys in the main test arena. And with this now, those guys are the leaders and they'll be bringing on other inexperienced guys to bring them up to speed so that, if they get an opportunity in November or in the Six Nations or in the World Cup, you might get three days in camp ahead of the first game or whatever it is, and like you don't like when you come in new, fresh. Like there's a ton of information is dropped down on top of you, like a ton of detail, and that can be hard to catch up on. And all of a sudden, you're behind in the detail, which means that you're not showing up properly with reps, you're not impressing in training, and it's kind of you're kind of behind the eight ball, like because there's so much to pick up. You're not in the best place to succeed. And the, the rationale is is that this will give them a chance to get on boarded there so that if they get an opportunity in November, they'll be better placed to, to kick on and uh and and you know be of value to Ireland going forward. On the other hand, though, the other side of it is is that it kind of buries the URC a small bit and it sets up a sort of a labyrinthian journey from provincial rugby to test rugby that other players who are currently involved in the test environment did not have to do. So like, if you're a guy, like we will say Gavin Coombs or Craig Casey or uh, Nick Timoney, for example, say you're brought on this tour. I have no idea whether they will or they won't, um, but say you are like, you're starting for your province in the, in the European cup. Like you've played big games in the European cup, but yet you have to go on a tour like this. Whereas a guy like Caelan Doris, for example, gets his opportunity in 2020 off the back of some good performances in Europe and Interprose and gets his opportunity. And now it's almost like, well, that was then. And now you've got to go on this kind of circuitous route. And the problem there is, is that players will buy into that. They'll buy into it. Okay, look, I'm going to go on this Emerging Ireland tour. I'm going to put my fucking heart and soul into it. We're going to do it for three weeks and we're going to go from there. The problem will be, is if two or three months down the line, somebody else gets called up to Ireland ahead of somebody who went on this tour and then it'll be, oh, oh well, turns out all that stuff is bullshit. Like, do you know what I mean? Like that, that, that would be the risk.
0: I, I think this, this comes down to, to a very simple province versus IRFU viewpoint, right? And the simple fact is the IRFU pays the bill.
1: Oh, they, they, is, they, like, they, pay they, the bill, they run the game here and test, where the money is. And Exactly. Like, Don't fuck with the money is the main thing. That's it. You don't fuck with the money. I think
0: the biggest problem with that is I completely understand where they're going from. And they're saying, yeah, we need more things like the Merry game. We need to see these guys. My issue with it is twofold. One you pointed out is this absolutely shits on the URC. Big selling point of the URC from the outset was we're not going to clash with the international window. You're going to have your guys. You're going to have more of them there. We understand that there are going to be internationals that are kept back because they're playing summer tours and things like that, and there will be camps. You're taking them out, and with the greatest of respect, the Greeks, the Pumas, and the Cheetahs are not anywhere near the standard of the Marial Blacks or the likes of a Fiji or anyone else coming through that they could play at an international level or even at an A level. That is not the same level, and the idea of bringing them down into camp, that camp could be held here in Ireland. You could, and, you can, you c- you could thing. do it. You like, could do it. There is no need to take it down to fulfil something that was meant to be a games for the, or sorry, provincial a games. This is not meant to be an Ireland a game. This was meant to be. It was talking about the likes of sending down the likes of a Connacht or a Munster or a Leinster or Ulster a team down to fulfil this fixture, and they have changed that. I understand why. I don't agree with it though.
2: Well I, I, I think very interesting and I wasn't brave enough to voice it on social media. Like Munster playing South Africa and Porky Cueve, I'm all for it, don't get me wrong. But I mean, how long did we know South Africa and Fiji and Australia are coming? Could like those A games have been organised for like versus uh, an Australian fifteen versus a uh, South African fifteen? And at least those games run at home, where you'll probably go and watch it. Like if you're in the country, probably tell. I, I,
0: I think I think the the counter argument to that one, Jeff, is that they say if you hold it in the same window as the existing autumn internationals, you don't allow the likes of Easterby or Farrell to have the full focus on the A team that they are going to do now.
2: Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Well, okay. Farrell isn't, I mean, isn't isn't going on this. Farrell's not going. I know that, but Easter B would be otherwise. Yeah, yeah. Like I, right, I, and, and, I think as and, well.
1: Yeah, sorry. No, like I, I'm just thinking with like with, with the the standard of the opposite, I don't think the opposition themselves are important because, like, not not no disrespect to the to, to Greek West or Pumas or the, the, we've the just, cheetahs. We just lost our Greek West I to. I I love I love cheetahs. They're my favorite cat. But when you look at the, Ooh, going against the pumas. Ooh. We've just yeah. lost our puma listenership. <laughs> Fuck the pumas. Fuck them. They're they're the poor man's cheetah.
2: Would you wash a cheetah? I don't know.
1: <laughs> Do
2: they even wash?
1: Would you me? blow away a
2: cheetah? <laughs> Would you wash a cheetah? That's a sentence I thought I'd never say in my lifetime. But here we are.
1: The but but like the, I think that the bonus is the tour, how they train, how they onboard, and stuff like that, and have them be the leaders of the group in that time and then use that to assess them for further honors down the line. But like, I totally get that rationale, but there is a risk to it too in that you can end up blowing the gimmick here and make it look like, oh, well, we're just moving goalposts now. We brought you on this tour to do this, that, and the other. And if you don't get opportunities off the back of it, or it sees that other people have kind of skipped the queue, it kind of makes it look like, oh, that was just a waste of time. That was just, again, goalposts being moved, move, you know, running around in circles. That's the risk. But I get the rationale. The, I understand the rationale. But again, I think people have this, that it, that it came on so late. That's the issue as well. That it's like, it came on really late. It was an opportunity that they kind of grasped on. It was supposed to be for provincial teams. That was what, when, when we first heard it. That's what it was. And now it just seems like there's a lot of scrambling going on. That can't be helped. Perception is perception. But it's certainly controversial anyway. Like I, I've seen as many people hate the shit out of this as they have kind of going, oh, well, I kind of get it. Like I'm, I, I'm in both camps kind of, I hate the shit out of it, but I do understand the rationale why they would do it. And the you would say this is a, like one year out of four. They're looking for this from the provinces.
2: I actually, I fully agree. I can, I totally understand the logic behind the tour, but it doesn't mean I like it.
1: That's
0: it. I I would, yeah. yeah, I I'd agree with that as I say, and my I'm I'm give my reasoning behind it and purely. I would prefer to go watch Munster and a provincial se- side than I would watch go and watch an Ireland side. Now that that's that's just me, and that's that's where I'm. That's my viewpoint on it, and that's why I don't think it's a, it's a great idea because I I want to see the URC succeed, and I think this is cutting the legs out from under it.
2: I think as well, Tom. You mentioned there that it's a one and 4 year time you're asking a province to do something like this. I don't think that if you, like if you look at Connacht, for example, like they had a tough season last year. In that window, they're playing two finalists and Munster of last year's URC. So suddenly you're kind of saying, well, listen, you struggled last season. You didn't get the Champions Cup. You are going to have a difficult season this year. Like It's a tough thing to do. To kind of finish top eight, like, um, but we're still going to take our players for those three games, and I think a big fear is people might think as well, oh, it's really early in the season, like, it doesn't matter, like those three games with those carry. losses, it doesn't those matter, losses. like
1: they can but, stick with you.
2: So I think it's going to be very tough. Like if you look at Monster's schedule, Zebra, Dragons, and Connacht, like that Connacht game aside, you're probably thinking to yourself, well, like. Like, like as a monster fan You're probably thinking We'll survive Do you know We'll get over it And hopefully you know, we'll get you, you, hurt I mean you, their back you would in.
1: live Away to the Dragons At home to Zebra You'd expect to beat them as well Yeah Connacht would like be if tricky you're,
2: If you're Connacht And you have those three teams You're kind of thinking to yourself Well like What can what, what are we looking at here Rather than looking at maybe do you know Maybe two wins out of three Or something You're looking at What should we, should, Like it depends who's going I know that too And it's Like
1: all if you're Connacht You're maybe losing so. Kian Prendergast You're maybe losing uh, Jack Carthy maybe I, well if he's fit that's, they might, they that's might another side of him. the coin
2: I think it's going to be unbelievably interesting to see what squad they bring because I was thinking of this the last day right and one name that stuck in my head and I, I don't see him going but like if you think of Joey Carberry how many minutes has he gotten at 10 for Ireland in the last two years yeah
1: after bit after bit, you
2: mean? Jeez. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I, I mean, it's I not, it's not out of the question. I don't see him going. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, people, I, it, people but, might but be listening to this, going, "Jeff's full of shit." But like, this is just, this is what you have to think about. Like
0: I think if if you think about it, right, what what the RFU are talking about is bringing back the internationals early, to allow them front load to accommodate this. That's that's my understanding of what what has been discussed. So instead of holding out the internationals till around maybe. Three, maybe four or five, somewhere they're going to start bringing them back a bit earlier
1: to, to compensate uh, for the and players they are they're bringing putting them out. back. They have a bit of freedom from round two, yeah. Um, from what I heard, now some of the provinces are a bit unsure as to what the crack is there, yes. but um, it but would like, seem you, to make you, sense there that you have your, your top layer of players coming back in to compensate for some high potential young players, but you kind of would be wanting to look at that, you know, round one, two, three, four, mm-hmm. whatever.
0: But if you look at that, the 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 way that the fixtures have come out, my from memory now, I'd have to go back through it. The interpros, the Irish interpros, are front loaded for the first five months, four or five months of the season. Yeah,
1: there's lots of them. Like it, uh, right. there's a period where Munster play Connacht, then the Bulls, then Leinster, then Ulster.
0: Yeah, and I think like even as we said there, there was uh, It was a Connacht have
2: two, old uh, Stormers and Munster.
0: Yeah. And I th- I think there even there could be a Lens, is there a Leinster Ulster game? Leinster Ulster is in there as well, yeah. Well, yeah. So like you're, you're talking this, who is that going to who's that going to impact the most? So like Ulster, if you
2: were to, hands down, well, like, yeah, you, if, you if take Ulster lose, you can Leinster you can bring in all ability. your internationals. That's fine. You bring them all back. But what starting internationals from Ulster are you bringing back in? Henderson like, is injured. You're losing McCluskey, probably O'Toole, maybe Treadwell.
1: Maybe uh, I know James. He, I know James, Humes, James he's Hume. coming back
2: from fitness so probably yeah. not him Robert Balakoon, Mike Lowry
0: Stockdale could be could like, be included if they like want he, to look at him
2: 100% he could be and I know people like I actually put that out on Twitter earlier today I said Jacob Stockdale should he go and it's literally 50-50 people saying play URC and other people saying because, yeah, get up to because speed has Jacob Stockdale played in this Irish system he has or been injured see. for or about or... a year isn't it
0: yeah like he would have, he would have th- played under Farrell
1: and Cat yeah, wouldn't he? W- would he have played since we'll say June twenty twenty one when kind of Ireland kicked no. from a level up
2: to over that? I mean, yeah, he got injured. Start of the URC last season, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, geez, you can make a fucking argument there, all right, couldn't you?
2: That and like I'm just saying, I think the squad when it comes out, I think like I think there's some people out there who think it's just flas, it's not, it's going to be a squad of young fellas but it'll be a mix. It'll be a mix. It's not going to be a squad of young fellas If it was a squad of young fellas
1: they wouldn't get any benefit out of it. They want it to also, have, and
2: it also wouldn't be such a contentious tour. They
1: want to have training leaders as well, to have guys lead them in training and to try and set standards that way. But I think, a, a, like a big thing here would be, like if you're uh, an Andy Farrell, like you want to look at players coming in. So mm-hmm. like from fan perspectives, like you kind of don't want these guys to go. But if you're a player, you kind of you don't necessarily want to go to Bloemfontein for three weeks. <laughs> like after just coming, you know, like after the preseason, you don't necessarily want to do that but you don't want to not be on that tour either because oh, yeah, yeah, if yeah. you're not named on that emerging Ireland tour, you're, and you're, and you're a young player who might be in the frame, theoretically, you're thinking, shit, like, um, how am I, how far behind the eight ball am I here? Like, and that's that, like that'll be the really interesting thing. Like
2: who's named, but who's not named. Yeah. It's the, who's not named that you're kind of like, that's going to well, be. Oh, okay. Cause especially so yeah, early in the season,
1: cause like there's like, this is, we're kind of heading into contract talk as well now. Like, So if you're a young player out of contract and you're not named on this emerging Ireland tour and you're fit and available, like, and you're not coming back from an injury, we'll say. It's like, oh, geez, like, what does that say?
0: That's the thing. I, I, I think it also limits who's going to get into the Rugby World Cup. I, I think that, that door was pretty much closed as part of the New Zealand tour. I think this is going to absolutely shut it. If, if you're not in there... I, I don't even really see that many new people. If you take it, how many people went, what was the, was it 40? Yeah, to
1: it was 40 and they're taking 35 on this tour.
0: Yeah. And what are they going to take? What's the World Cup? 30- 33, is it? Or something. But look, like, 30,
1: yeah, it's 33.
0: It's going to be so hard to be that bolter coming from, you know, a good start to the URC. You, you may not even get that chance right you then are you going to be able to get into the sort of if you're not in the the sort of autumn international side it's going to be hard to make it into the six nations i i think this shuts the door on any idea of a boulder coming out uncapped that hasn't been in the system so far um
1: so you're saying i haven't you're saying i haven't hope so i've gone to france I don't know. You'd, man. W- you'd want to be. Like, I'm really. I'm really showing in, in the gym like my numbers are through the roof. There, like
2: I think you video your pool weightlifting, send it on to fire. I'd be like, Look send them on I to Johnny move. Sexton and say,
1: Johnny, would you show that to Andy? I
2: you know for Joe it's McCarthy, so <laughs> I lifted. I did lift a 300 kg yesterday, but it was in the pool.
0: <laughs> As you were sinking. <laughs>
1: I had to, I was literally, it was life or death, but that's I how
2: important to. this is to me. I hand cleaned 400 kg, but it was underwater. <laughs> right. I, I, breathed in, I breathed
1: in 40 liters of water. <laughs> I am not very well, Andy. Please. I'm
2: willing to waterboard myself for this team. <laughs> Please take me to France.
1: Right. We'll, say, we'll move on
0: then with the provincial roundup. Um, Ulster faced Exeter on Friday night. The game is actually on BBC Northern Ireland for anyone who wants to watch it. Uh, Jacob Stockdale is back in contention for selection after overcoming his injury problems. Um, but in other news, Ian Henderson and James Hume have had off-season surgery and continue to rehab. Um, Leinster news is Conor O'Brien uh, announced his retirement due to injury. During the week, um, I think it was a hamstring injury that eventually uh, ended up causing his retirement. And in news that is nearly impossible to find anywhere across the internet, Leinster face Harlequins on Friday night at the Stoop, I believe. Uh, I'm not sure if that game is going to be streamed or not, but it is nowhere even noted on the Leinster website and extremely difficult to find details on. We must have gone um, to the
2: dark web to find that out because that's the first time hearing of it there. Owen went <laughs> onto the dark web And an assassin told him that Let's do it. <laughs> wait, 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 sorry this is, the second is this... this is the second I'm hearing of it Because the first I heard of it Was when I read the script earlier today So this is the second <laughs> I meant to say, excuse me Before it, we don't... started
1: recording Owen told me this And I was just like, what? So basically revealing that I hadn't read A fucking word of the script <laughs> That is not news to anyone, Tom <laughs>
2: Yeah, sorry about that one. Um, my yeah, phone I had, found my, that. Phone, my phone, my phone's broke. I left it in my pocket when I was deadlifting underwater.
0: I found All that right. from the out from the guy who sends me on my videos of the blow drying the cows. <laughs> Moving um, <laughs> we on then to Connacht, who played two games in I think it was three days last week. They lost 57-19 to Cast away to Cast in France, and then had a separate team put out at home in Athlone. Where they beat sale 15-5. Um, and we heard about all Jeff's uh, dinner problems on the way to the match. So do you want to give us a, a little rundown of the match then, Jeff?
2: Uh yeah, no, the the problems were only en route, like the actual journey and the match itself was actually so much fun to watch. Like preseason games, it's like watching AIL just slightly higher because it there's there's still errors, you know, and there's still people kind of trying to figure things out. But I will say though, and I know it's a provincial. Podcast, don't get me wrong, I know Irish rugby, but Sale have some huge dudes, like unbelievably big. But what I will say is Sale and Attack were pretty poor. Like to the point of what are you doing? Like, like just we're, we're pretty poor, but anyway um Connacht no I enjoyed it um was watching Peter Dooley the two sale yes. fans who were listening to this podcast are fucking fuming right now well you. if those sale fans watch the game they're probably not <laughs> in agreement because like there was one moment right there was one moment sale were defending and the fella a second row I don't know his name was just lying in the rock just like just lying there and Marmion went to pass the ball and he just grabbed the ball and the ref just blew the whistle and just gave the penalty kind of like it's the most it's the most obvious penalty you could give away. But the sale fella gets up and starts walking back, and another sale fella walks up to him and high fives him. And I was like, What are you fuck what are you high-fiving him for? Hey, all he's done is cost you 10 meters and the line out to follow for 25 meters back up. Like, what what are you high-fiving him for? And then the same fella got a yellow card later in the game. And again, fella walked up to him, high-fived him. You're like, what? Nice, what, n- what? N- nice one, bud. <laughs> This is the opposite <laughs> Good hustle <laughs> This is this is like What you're not meant to do Like But um, No it was a great game Like we were watching actually as a, I went with a friend of mine Claff And um, We were watching the We were watching sale And she turns to me And she was like That sale Seven's very busy I was like Yeah yeah he's good isn't he And he was running good lines He was doing this that and the other And about you know A couple of minutes later geez, that was that sale 7 again He's good Blah 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 Curiosity got the better of me anyway Google Or I Got up the team sheet. It was only Ben Curry, so uh, we felt slightly vindicated, um, and uh, <laughs> we were just watching an international, um, being very good at what he does. But um, no, connor were good. Peter Dooley had a good outing. I uh, got through a lot of work. Um, he kind of seemed, kind of seemed to offer himself as the platform maker, if that makes sense. Like not a big ball carrier, like in terms of making meters off carries and stuff like that, but certainly. You know, just that extra phase that you need to do before doing something. He's always happy. He got through a lot of work. Um, I don't know what meters he made off carries around and like that, but literally off nine, off ten, it seemed like he did an awful lot of carrying, so that was good. Um, Fitzgerald had a, a mixed night, I think. I think it's fair to say. Um, a couple of moments, like a few high balls he could have taken. He plays very flat to the line. Um, I think if, a little bit of depth would have served him wonders because there was a lot of space, but like a really good attack in 10 and um, just, just very flat. I think the crowd, I th- I've never seen as many mullets in my life as I did in that crowd uh, in my life. And uh, there was one fellow playing. You were Connacht. an Athlone. I wasn't Athlone, <laughs> but there was one fellow playing with Connacht. Uh, what's his name? Dara... Oh, what's his name? He was, yeah, yeah, I think so. Is he non
0: Ni- um, Murray's brother, is
2: it? Oh, it could be, yeah. And he, if, if it's the same fellow we're talking about, he had a mullet that I have never seen bar on television. His hair was down to his arse and it was a mullet like. And the fellow oh, Billy Ray Cyrus. Oh, my God. Like, we're talking. Like deeps out redneck here, kind of mullet like. So it's like and business,
1: business at the front party near my ass.
2: Or party party wasn't even at the back. Party <laughs> was down by his ankles, but there was an owl lad behind me, and he was looking at his hair, and he was like, "Geez, you don't see that many haircuts like that these days." And literally, if you if he had turned his head to the left, there was a group of about eight young fellas, and every one of them had a mullet. Like I was like, "What do you mean? You, like there's about nine players out there with a mullet." Like. <laughs> Oh, All of these lads thing.
1: are fucking up my order in the hot counter
2: Um, But no, conics were good um, Good shape uh, they, Oh, they had a couple of malls, lads I'm not joking They had a couple of malls that were well set, well formed And it was there, there were those kind of malls that you're just kind of thinking like Even though we're not going anywhere That ball ain't coming out Because like it was just edging and edging and edging And suddenly boom they had two very big ones and then they scored off a uh, they scored a try in off a third one. Uh, owned a butler, got a try in off the third big mall they had. But um, no, it was a really enjoyable game. Like Peter Dooley telling the linesman to to move up a small bit, you know, off sale, uh, exiting to touch and stuff like that. Little kind of little kind of enjoyable preseason. A lot of fire. A lot of fire in yeah. the game. A lot of handbags in that game. Even there- early on, like three, four minutes on. Uh, it was down the other side of the pitch, so I didn't I didn't see what happened. Like, there's no big screens in Dubai Park. I don't know. Maybe they can, if they can afford Eddie O'Sullivan, maybe stick in a big screen too. I don't know. But um, it's only stacking But um, there was oh, there was a lot of smiles in that game. Um, but yeah, Sale have some huge players. Like I was looking at them and I was like, his leg is bigger than my entire body, my Burger King starved body. Looking at him, um, wasn't as big as you know, Tom. But nobody not is pe- not, ma- not many people there. Many <laughs> nobody people. is. Um, but no, it was really, really enjoyable game. Um, I think it's great what Connacht did two games in three days. Um, I know one was in that loan, so it's not too far away from home, but like you know, going to cast, having sale as well within three days like that's a huge body of work to have gotten done and gotten done successfully. So I think a lot of credit goes to the, the coaching staff and the organizers and everything like that, but um. Like, I mean, that's three days that are going to be hugely valuable to Pete Wilkins, who's also a huge man, by the way. Uh, I, I knew that. I could sense it. But, like, he's massive. Like, when I was walking in, we were stood, you know, behind the post, like, just having a look. And I was like, Pete Wilkins is a big man. Um, but that, that's, that's noted,
0: just in case we're trying to have a beef
2: with the uh, Connacht coaching team this season. <laughs> no, beefs this season no beefs this season. No beefs this season. Was all... the director of friendship, Andy Rugby, there? Andy Rugby, I don't know. I didn't see him. I assume he was. Um, maybe he was just staying away from us. I don't know. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> he doesn't want to seem too friendly in public, you know. With, um, but no, I don't know. Maybe he probably was. Like, but uh, no, it was a, it was a good it was a good day out um, for Connacht I think. And in fairness, now as well, like Dewberry Park was packed, absolutely packed. So it was a really good day out. Yeah. Bar, then we, bar the service station, station rubbish that I had to deal with. But otherwise, we, we, I'm over it I'm we, over it
0: We get our lawyers To issue a, a letter
2: To Apple Green. Stop bringing um, it up Stop bringing it up like, I'm over it It's fine Stop bringing it up
0: Move on to Munster Then um, With start Of the news Gavin Coombs Is out for the first Few rounds of the URC With a groin injury um, Munster Played London Irish On Friday night Again With the game Streamed live uh, Via uh, The our thanks to the Irish Examiner And um, I suppose we go back to the game on Friday night. Uh, I managed to watch it online. Tom actually attended. Um,
1: I, I, I had a lovely Monster. stop off in a, in a in a petrol station. By the way, There's actually loads of stuff there. Shut, it was lovely. Sh- shut him out. I, him I, out. I, I went.
0: <laughs> I went to the fridge. It was beautiful.
1: Shut him out. I, I had a I had a brownie. I went up to the second. Can, can I have that that's brownie?
2: All, that, that's all you got.
1: Yeah, I was looking at the stuff and I was like, there was this like uh, chipotle chicken and bacon thing, and I was just like, I don't fancy that. But weirdly enough, I didn't fancy it when I was driving down when it might have been fresh. But when I was driving back up at like half ten, I was just like, "Yeah, i will have some of that." <laughs> Mana <manor> from heaven. <laughs> oh god, yeah, no, it was, uh, it was, it, it was good. Like the game itself, though. Uh, again, very beautiful, lovely crowd there because mostly car people. Um, and it was just very, it was an enjoyable game, even though Monster Monster lost. Um, it was your. Trying a
0: preseason
1: game, a, trying a lot of stuff like they, they, they were plainly bidding in a lot of new stuff. Like, there was some new looking shapes in that first half, and they were struggling to put them in, like to, to actually nail some of those pictures. Like, because they would have been, I'd say, quite different from you'd even notice watching it, like in there, like that, like that the, the pictures that we were looking at were were different from what we would have seen from months or last year from a shape perspective, anyway. I thought they, they
0: played very flat in attack. I thought the the two half the half back combination in the first half struggled with that, and I don't think they were helped with the amount of penalties that Munster gave away. They they just couldn't get a position to play at times. Um, I did like there was there was a couple of times Munster tried to stack the backs. They 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 formed very narrow, very deep, and then spread wide very quickly. It, it sort of caused a lot of. I suppose disarray in the Gloucester defence at times, but Munster couldn't take advantage of it necessarily. Because like
1: Munster didn't actually do any like real collision work during preseason before this game, so a lot of the stuff that you would have seen out there was the first time they would have had like live fire on some of those like on some of those. And you could tell like you know Munster didn't well, like the collision work was poor enough in the first half for sure like.
0: I, I thought one of the things that, that stood out to me on it was actually it was the tackle completion they were they were they were making the hit but they weren't dragging the guy to the ground like ben ben morgan who, like who is a very very good club he is a huge, a, hell
1: of a, a huge man hell of a carrier big hell. I was looking at that 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 gloucester or the, the, yeah, the gloucester team to start the the game and I was like thinking geez, I recognize a lot of names on here like that was close enough to a team that might start a premiership game for them like you had Ben Morgan yeah. who's got 30 odd caps for England <laughs> I looked him up but I was just like Jesus Christ I remember this guy um, you had like did you, uh, did
2: you recognize him straight away or did you watch him and feel I was like is that Ben Morgan
1: through the power of observing the team sheet that we are very kindly uh, given in the thing. you cheated cheat. <laughs> <laughs> like looking at like you had like Adam Hastings there you had Chris Harris Mark Atkinson, who I remember like playing for Gloucester against Munster in the Champions Cup a few years ago, big, big man. Um, Ollie Thorley, who scored a try against Munster in the Champions Cup. Like they they had, like a, a fairly good squad uh like side out there for that first half. And like Munster really struggled to keep a hold of the ball. And whenever Gloucester got into Munster's 22, they looked like scoring a try. Like the mall defense, everything like that looked a little bit looked really ropey in the in, in the first in the in the first half, certainly. It improved second half, but that first half, they would have been looking at that and kind of going, shit, we need to, you know. If it just if that had ended there, that would have been a very disappointing pre-season friendly from a monster perspective.
0: I thought second half. I I thought well, sorry, actually for for both both halves, I thought the the scrum did particularly well and held. It was very I solid. It was rocks very rock solid. solid. It wasn't dominant, but it was rock solid. And not a budge out of it. A, like a and credit. that was
1: a, a very experienced uh, front row for and our, um, our front five for for Gloucester. Like Fraser Balmain there Like he's got a lot of road Under him And uh, I thought Josh Witterely did very well
0: I, I thought I thought the I thought uh, Roundtree would be very happy With the likes of um, Witterely Salano And Knox Coming out of that thought the line out was, was solid enough as well They did well on that I thought the um, Patterson When he came on At, at Scrum Half Was he
1: excellent Energy Off that guy Like I, I, I don't think Neil Cronin had a, had a great game He did look like he came off He looked like he was Nursing an injury when he came up in front of the press area um for the second half. But Patterson, the zip on this guy, he is was flying around the place out there, really, really energetic, injected a lot of pace into that game. Um, I was very impressed and, with him actually.
0: I I was as well, and I think it, it opened up the attacking options for Munster. I think and Crowley, who who came on in the second half, I thought Crowley was very it, sharp. I, I thought what what they what they did was it was the tempo that Patterson put on the game he made decisions and he did something with the ball quickly. It wasn't necessarily always the right option or the best option to take, but it did something and it challenged the Gloucester defence. And I think, to me, it showed how someone like Craig Casey, I think, should fit into that sort of system and what they're trying to do
1: very well. It looked like Munster were doing a 3-3-1 shape across the middle of the field and not going too wide like the edge runner was around the 15 meter kind of hash. Um, but if you're playing a three, three, one, when it's not going right, it look like you're, it's going like that. Everything is very flat and you're basically playing in the, down the front of the jeans of the opposition. Um, but when it's going well, you have pace on the ball coming off nine, but you have variety off 10 and, a, and, and an actual inside carrying threat off 10, which Crowley certainly did. Now, you could look at, at Healy in the first half, didn't have a great game. Um, you could look at the you know, like the the, the, the quality of the collisions wasn't great, pass quality off nine wasn't great, that will affect your 10. But I thought Crowley, uh like I thought his variety and the threat that he had as a ball carrier himself really opened up, um, as did you know having Malachi Fekatoa, who is my God, not only is this guy that's a handsome dude right there, but he is a killer. Out there, he is a monster. He creased this guy, a preseason friendly, and like my God, he nuked this guy.
0: I what what impressed me most was well, number one, he and I think I said it on social media at the time. He isn't around just to pick up an easy paycheck. He was putting his body on the line from the very off, and it wasn't just his carries and his dominant tackling. And I mean, like it was dominant. It was the fact he was tackling back up and poaching for the ball straight away. He he was looking for work. He wanted more and more of it there. I thought he he was outstanding at twelve. I thought um,
1: thought Goggin play. showed up well at outside centre as well when he for the second half.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know I, I, not being dismissive of Dan Goggin, but I assume it's it's nice playing outside Fakatua.
1: <laughs> oh, <okay>. it's it's, <laughs> it's difficult to have a bad game outside that guy because he's uh, he looks like a just a total quality player. I thought
0: um, Rudon Quinn came in quite early. Uh, Jack O'Sullivan went off with a, with an injury. And Rudon 18 Quinn came in and,
1: years of age. Oh, 18. he and is out there winning collisions in a pro rugby game against a premiership team at 18. He was...
0: <laughs> for, for anyone who hasn't seen Rudon Quinn, he is about... I don't. I don't know how tall he is, but he's, he's, about a, he's around same, six. He's about about six, six four. Same
1: width. Yeah, he's <laughs> yeah. around six and four he's tall and six six four wide. <laughs>
0: yeah. I, as as I think I said, what was it? I said, you
1: don't need to sidestep him, you need to two-step him, going Yeah, around. he you, like,
0: one step is not gonna get you
1: around him. He is a big lad. Um, and you can even see him warming up. You're just like because you expect somebody when they're 18, you've kind of got a kind of an expectation as to how this guy's gonna look. And it's just like you need to readjust your expectations for Ruan Quinn because he's a fucking wardrobe but eyes this guy he's not even got his
2: leaving cert results yet I don't think no
1: he wouldn't he wouldn't have he's already like nervous day tomorrow waiting for them and then off to fucking pro rugby training after <laughs> <laughs> what Yeah. Living get, the dream.
0: Get, re- get ready to crush London Irish Um. yeah I mean like he, he I thought he had an excellent game it was finished off with a try he skidded over a couple of guys to, to score but
1: Edwin he, he's a dog bull by the way Another talk guy about him. who looks
0: there, there's one or the himself and Rudon Quinn are one of the few guys coming up through the system that look physically pro ready right now. Yeah, with, da, with da, Daniel okeke no as well
1: is huge, like in person, like he just looks bigger than every everybody else in the field, and there are people who are there who are well taller than him, but like he is just. A supersized guy. Like he is like he like as in he just looks ridiculously strong out there. But Edwin Adogbo for his first game in a number of like in over a year actually, I'd say after his Achilles injury. Um I would say that like elements of what he was showing out there, kind of like freakish style stuff, winning collisions, his very first like truck up off nine, won that collision, like off nine, ran really hard, and he's not really properly filled in yet. He's 19. Like that's a serious player there. He's around six seven because he was standing next to Paddy Kelly, who's listed at six seven, and they were the same height. I know. I know rugby stats are a house of lies most of the time, but <laughs> looking at uh, like Edwin there, he has the size and he has the physique, and like, but the, his lineout detail really sharp. Like sometimes with younger players coming in, that's one of the things that they have to pick up, obviously. But I thought his lineup work in the second half, he looked he was in the right spots, making the right lifts in the right places. Um, very exciting.
0: Yeah, I, I think, as I said there, there, there was parts of I don't think the result really matters nah. in, in terms in terms of that. I think that it, it's more about what yeah. they can take from it. It's more what they can take from it. And I think there was enough there to show how things can work and the systems that they want to, particularly in attack. I thought they'd be happy with the scrum, the line out. Um, some of the things, defensively, I thought they got caught very narrow at times. Yeah, um, Gl- Gloucester went 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 either through the hands or with kick and they were scoring with ease in the first half it, it became something and I, as you say Tom it makes sense in terms of their contact work if they've done so little as to why that I, I almost call it tackle completion
2: yeah. wasn't
0: there and um, Gloucester just ran through them
1: I um, did a presser after the game to- and I was there because I'm a professional I'm a really just a very sharp professional as well as being a beast and an animal Right, so many <laughs> so, strings to your bow. So many, like just constantly, just like apart from swimming, apart from swimming, but swimming is a scam. So swimming. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, when, uh, so uh, we asked Roundtree after the game, like the the first half, kind of what was the crack there, and the breakdown was his big focus. He was just like, uh, the "Breakdown wasn't," and he like it. I watched the game back on on YouTube afterwards, and yeah breakdown wasn't what it needed to be at all and they'll come away from the game with just with that as being a big work on you live with that sort the breakdown yeah. out offensively you live with that and you can kind of work from there you can you, you can work with that but um yeah it was uh it was an enjoyable game
2: can i just say that sometimes when i mention a player's name i get slagged for name dropping but like Tom does it every week to the point where we should think that he's best friends with Roundtree round three. And I, nobody, you know, nobody right. calls him out on it. Even before this, he was like that's George t- Murray, blah, blah, blah. That's because that, like, I'm too much. That's because I'm too much of a freak. Too so much big. of a fucking I'm animal. Afraid. That's why. I'm not afraid of you. <laughs> oh, I can see the fear in your face, boy. Do you, you ever see that uh, <laughs> I can't remember who it was, but I think it was a boxer or something like that. And a fella tweeted him trolling him and was like, oh, blah, 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 you were shit, blah, blah, blah. And your man says say that to my face. And your man replies and he goes, No, you would kill me. <laughs> <laughs> and the boxer went back fair the enough. Like fair enough. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh yeah, so uh, I was kind of just over at Peter Manny's house the at a barbecue and uh...
2: Nobody, nobody <laughs> calling him out.
1: Just, just checking out the, out the garden. Who was there? Uh Dan Carter, uh <laughs> Richie McCall. The usual, you know, the usual, Jim, the Jim gang, the gang. <laughs> just the
0: gang. Um, moving on then from that, from Tom's name dropping before he
1: uh, injures his back, picking them all up. Um, I couldn't do we it. have. I can pick up 140kg. I'm not going to do it. Picking up names.
2: Why would I? Drop. Why would I pick up names when I can pick up tons? <laughs> I actually not the... I couldn't think of an end to that joke. There,
0: I was oh, trying to gloss the, over and let it it you he was, was sweating <laughs> there <laughs> oh god we won't even edit that out no uh, the only other bit of news we have then is obviously that the South Africa uh, monster game has been confirmed for Parky Queeve and tickets go on sale on Thursday morning pre-sale I think it is Thursday morning uh, with what looks like to be fairly nice pricing
2: Pretty competitive pricing on there, which by the time you listen to this is now go buy, go buy them now. It's so reasonable it. priced isn't it? Like
0: God. it looks, it looks to be very, very reasonable. I think there's something You can get two adults and two children in for seventy five euros or something.
2: Yeah, two, two adults, two kids for seventy euro. Do they have to be your Seven. kids? Can I just? They can be anybody's kids. <laughs> Actually, Come here, you. Should we, should we <laughs> specify? <laughs> <laughs> Well I'll tell you what, if you
0: shave if you shave your beards, there, Jeff, I'll try to bring you in as one of my kids if you want.
1: Hi there. Hi, I'm I'm 12. I'm, I'm 12. I'm, 12. Oops, I'm a huge just big child. for my
0: age. <laughs> Boy, am I bald? Um, Tom, is, Tom has been training it was, me. I'm actually just was, big
1: for my age. A haircutting accident. <laughs> um so do that you
2: know
1: should what? be good. Hopefully, I was on good numbers a... for that. hang on a second there. Give me give me a second here. <laughs>
2: Oh, is that <sighs> a big, heavy name he's just lifting? I was on the radio the other day. <laughs> With Leo Veradker
1: With Leo Veradker. Leo. I said, Leo. Cool first name, actually. Um, and when I was on there, they were. I was kind of brought in because I missed the first call because I was in the shower. So I did the majority of this radio segment. Such like, a pro. Dripping wet. <laughs> From the shower. <laughs> From and the shower. Up? I'm only wearing a towel. Because <laughs> I, for- I forgot. I forgot it was on the radio. Such a pro. Because Luke, if, Luke, if you're listening to this, you did tell me that I was supposed to be on the radio. Hey, Tom, you okay for the radio <laughs> at 1040 on Monday? And I was just like, no problem. And then I just completely forgot the second I said that. So the phone rings, I answer it the second time and I'm coming in mid-conversation and uh, there's three guys there and they're all like very negative on this game being held in Park Quive as opposed to being held in uh, Thoman Park. And I just, I just couldn't understand it. I I just didn't get I just I just didn't get it like Torment Park has the vast majority of 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 kind of big games in Munster since two
2: thousand well, and five. also, what's the what's the seat difference? Like twenty thousand. There's my way. Yeah,
1: off? no, it's forty five thousand. I think in Parky Queef, so there'd be. And what's Torment? Like, 20... is twenty six.
0: I think so you, that, can that, it, you, can you can extend it. You can extend it, it to cycles. Yeah. Not years. too far off.
1: Not too far off. It's around 26, I think, but 26 and a half when you extend it out. That's a like, lot of extra bums on seats. That's a lot of extra bums on seats. Um, but it's it's. we were than talking that. about seat watch, but it should have been bum watch. You took the words <laughs> out of my mouth. <laughs> yes, people know but we love seats. It's
0: <laughs> it's not even it's not even about the seats and the extra the extra amount you can get through the gate. This is about proving a case. That when the if or when a Heineken Cup large quarterfinal or semi final or the ability to play that game comes up, where we can't use Pullman Park, and I said we, um,
1: it is we. This is this
0: is this is is the three three for
1: Monster Podcast. Three for Monster Podcast. (laughs) Um, if did you see somebody sub tweeting us the other day, by the way? No, I think was it Andy McGeady? was like, uh, he put out a thing about what's, you know, a podcast or something that you, that, that you really like or something in recommendations. And there was some guy, well, you know, there's lots of these podcasts where they have guys who were just like, I, I I don't know whether he sounded like this, but I'm just giving him this voice. I <laughs> think I think you're a moron, that's why. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, well, you know, these guys, you know, there's some guys who just like, they can't even hide their bias, you know? And it's just like, I just find that very off-putting, just for me, you know? It's just like, you stop treating, provincial state of mind and trade for monster, are
2: you? There was a guy, and um who was looking for the name of a Welsh podcast. I sent it on to you just for oh, yeah. listeners who didn't see it. I'm um, looking for the name of a Welsh podcast. And a good listener of ours recommended Regional State of Mind. And oh, they said, yeah, that's, Can you a, imagine? that's a great, that's a great <laughs> name. But like that person looking, that obviously Welsh rugby person looking for that podcast name has no idea that all we do is slate Welsh rugby at every single opportunity <laughs> that we get, lad. And now, if it was, if it was true, and now they're thinking of, of naming mind, their Welsh rugby podcast after, after us. After this regional state of I mean, mind, like if it was but, actual regional we, state of
1: mind, what do we have be to around, do
2: here to be taken seriously? Like I, I don't get it. It's like if it was re- actual region,
1: regional state of mind, there would be around three or four people listening to that podcast and they'd be done within four weeks, <laughs> and they'd move on to a
2: championship podcast. And
1: they'd move on to English championship. <laughs>
2: <podcast>. <laughs> Listen to yeah. that for three, four years, hope it builds up, and then move. You on like
1: that, too? Yeah.
2: You like provincial state of mind now, do you? There's your regional state of mind, <laughs> right? Man, I, you
1: think I fucking jumped in, I love you. I was
0: going to say it in terms of moving it to to Parky Grieve. It sets up the case and proves the case about whether large games can be moved there rather than the Aviva. And yeah. to me, that that makes more sense. If they can make a small profit out of this, which I think they're going to make more than that, make way more than I think oh, they're going to make, more, dec- to going make set set decent of... money on this. I think it'll be maybe close, close to a sellout or a sellout. I think they're going to get a lot, of, no. a lot of people through the gates.
1: I'm only going on anecdotally because I get a lot of people hustling for me, hustling me for tickets in real life. <laughs> um, but <laughs> there's been some amount of requests for tickets already. As in, what's the crack here? I know people who are taking the day off work today after who are going all out for this.
2: Oh, like if, 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 even if I look at myself, like I, if my employers listen to this, I'm sorry, that this is how you're finding out, but I fully ask, I intend on asking, can I get off work an hour too early and I'll do a round trip that day? Like, yeah. And yeah. that's, that's maybe a seven and a half hour journey for me at like on a Thursday afternoon. Like, you know, so like there'd be people willing to do that hands down. for Oh, some
1: 100%. I know, I know there's some people who are just like, they're completely against this, like because it's not in Thalman Park. And, you know, look, honestly, I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. So I can't really empathize with that point. But the scale of the event alone for this, if Munster can get 40,000, 40, even, like, even a sellout for this, that is a huge occasion where that'll be on TV. That will look epic, regardless of epic, what happens. Epic. Yeah. And it's like, epic. that is such a huge event where it's like, that alone is worth it. Like the buzz, like I've seen people like who are talking about coming over who aren't Munster fans or South African fans who are coming over to see this. Like, like that's how big an event this is. And it's like, if you can't, tether. well our home stadium is thomond park so it should be played in thomond park it's like i don't understand i don't i don't get that like if they wanted to make the same money from the sellout they'd have to almost double the prices for thomond and like you don't want that either like it's priced so reasonably like do you know like 20 euro for a terrorist ticket to get in like come on do you know where'd you get that it's unreal
0: that's it. We'll round it up there, folks. Thank you very much for listening to our ramblings and for supporting podcasts. Please do rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you listen, as it really helps. And be sure to share the podcast on social media. Hope you have a good week and the three of us will be back next week again to chat. Thanks.